Good morning. I am Lisa Gellis with Howard Insurance. I am so excited to be joined today by Michelle Impey, who is the Fine Art and Collections Manager at Chubb Insurance. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Can we start by telling us a little bit about you, your background, and your role at Chubb? Yes, thank you, Lisa. And I'm excited to be part of this podcast today. So thank you for inviting me. And uh, yeah, it's really hard to believe that I now have more than 20 years of art and insurance industry experience. When I decided to major in art history many years ago, many questioned how that would translate into a career. And I'm really happy to say that I've been able to put my degree to use and have a career in something that I'm truly passionate about. At the onset of my career, I worked at a New York City art gallery and then through a friend found out about the opportunity to work in fine art insurance. As fine art and collections manager at Chubb, I oversee a team of specialists in Chubb's risk consulting group. Our fine art and collections specialists located across the country provide tailored risk management advice and collection management services to address the evolving needs of collectors. And when we consult on the care and protection of fine art, wine, antiques, jewelry, and other collectibles, we educate collectors about the risks, discuss the importance of adequate coverage, but most importantly, help them implement best practices and risk management solutions to mitigate loss. In fact, many of our services have been developed based on loss trends that we've seen over the years. Thanks, Michelle. And it's it's always a good thing when you can put your degree to use doing something you're you're passionate about. So that's really great to hear. Um, a, a timely topic, having just witnessed the damage uh, caused by Hurricane Ian. Can you talk about emergency planning for art collectors and the importance of planning ahead? Certainly. Um, you know, Hurricane Ian was a tragic event, and I am deeply saddened by both the loss of life and property that occurred. And with the uptick in the frequency and severity of weather and climate events in the U.S. over the past five years in particular, it is more important than ever for collectors located in CAD-exposed areas to develop an emergency preparedness plan. If a collector wants to evacuate their collection right before a storm, they may find that there aren't any more fine art packers and shippers available, or it will no longer be safe to do so. Resources will be limited, so it's critical to plan ahead and have backup resources available. If the client's Florida home is a secondary residence that will be vacant during hurricane season, we encourage clients to consider seasonal storage, meaning that they will move their collection or select items into a fine art storage facility every hurricane season in order to better protect it in the event of a storm. So when putting together an emergency response plan, a collector should develop a priority list of items and locations. Items can be prioritized based on monetary value, sentimental value, cultural value, or even the level of vulnerability of a particular piece. But at the end of the day, it's a personal decision and only the collector can make that determination. So for example, the collector may have a work of art that was inherited from their grandparents that has sentimental value, but not necessarily monetary value. But it's particularly important to them and they would want to include it on their priority list. In the event that items need to be evacuated off-site or moved to a safer area, area within the home, 
A priority item list with locations will save time and help ensure that the most important valuables are protected first. Actually, during Hurricane Ian, I had a call from a collector who wanted to evacuate his collection, but he wasn't able to readily provide any details on the items located at the secondary residence, such as the number of items, their size, medium, and value. And the on-site property manager wasn't familiar with the collection, so he couldn't assist. So when coordinating the safe removal of a collection with a professional fine art packer and shipper, this information is critical, especially when time is of the essence. And this particular collector was concerned because they had a backup generator, but not enough fuel to keep it running after the storm. Mm. And uh, they were worried that the alarm system and the climate control systems would no longer be operational. So these are things to consider as well when planning ahead. And when we think about the priority item list, it should include specific handling and removal instructions. And training should be provided for the emergency response team or staff that may be handling the artwork. The plan should outline steps to be taken to protect the collection on site if a preferred fine art shipper and handler can't get there in time. So for example, this could include moving artwork away from windows and into interior rooms for temporary storage. Uh, this can also include basic instructions such as how many people are required to move an item and where and how to pick it up. So we had a client uh, with a, who had a very heavy 9th century stone statue of Ganesha that was damaged when it was picked up from the elephant's trunk the weakest point, and it broke right off, uh, resulted oh, in a gosh. total loss. Yeah, it was really, it was <laughs> terrible. And, you know, it could have been, the, the instructions could have been so simple, Lisa. It could have simply been right. that the heavy sculpture should have been lifted up by at least two people and not picked up from its most vulnerable point, which in this case was the trunk. And uh, when it comes to a plan, the plan must be documented, duplicated, and shared with others and updated on an annual basis. And I'll share an example of why this is so important. Several years ago, we had a client with a multi-million dollar home and art collection in a hurricane-prone state. And although the property manager had developed an emergency preparedness plan, it was all in his head. He didn't write it down or share it with others. And when the hurricane went from a tropical storm to a category five hurricane within 24 hours, the property manager realized he hadn't allotted enough time to prepare and implement the plan. And sadly, in his haste to get back to the property, he was in a car accident that landed him in the hospital. Oh. And I, was, I mean, it, unfortunately, and then the, the, the client, the household staff couldn't take the necessary steps to protect the collection because they didn't know the details of that plan. Um, and uh, just a few other tips I'll share is that we, we recommend that collectors keep some art packing materials on hand and consider having prefabricated custom crates readily available, stored on or off site for select items that are particularly fragile or of high value. That way, if items need to be moved quickly off site, they can be done so safely. Uh, you know, it takes time to build a custom crate. So this I'm certainly sure. won't be a last minute option. And uh, I'm sure you've heard, Lisa, that, you know, you know due to inflation, and we've heard from packers and shippers in the industry that the cost of art packing materials and wood crates have gone up. 
Some people have estimated that the cost of shipping art has at least doubled since before the pandemic. And this is all the more reason to keep some prefabricated museum quality custom crates on hand that can be used multiple times if needed. And uh, yeah, so I mean, also thinking about that emergency response vendors that they need to develop that list. It should include fine art packers, shippers, storage facilities, and conservators. And they need to plan ahead and have a list of backup resources. Uh, I was actually working with a collector on developing a plan recently, and they asked me to include their art conservator on their list of emergency response uh, contact list. But then I discovered that the client's art conservator spends half of the year living abroad. So my question mm. was, you know, what would happen if an emergency occurred while the art conservator was abroad? You know, who would be available to assist? And, and so as a result, we added a backup art conservator to the emergency contact list in the event that the client's main art conservator was unavailable. And... Uh, Lastly, I just want to just quickly touch on outdoor sculpture uh, because yes. that you really need to plan ahead. Uh, it, you know, it might mean moving some works inside if feasible. And for items that remain outside, a prefabricated impact rated solution or a non-abrasive protective wrapping should be installed to properly secure and safeguard the sculptures from flying debris. But uh, as you can imagine, Lisa, these solutions take time to order, fabricate, sure. and install. And so you may need a lead time of several weeks or months to adequately prepare. That's that's very interesting. And it's such a great point about the cost of shipping. We had a client who was looking to move some art from their New York residence out to Park City. And we put them in touch with a, a qualified, a vetted uh, art shipping vendor. And they were, needless to say, shocked at, um, at, at the sticker price to, um, to move the art. And they ultimately ended up using UPS, which, of course, we would never uh, recommend, but um, definitely something to, to keep in mind when, when considering moving art. Um, on a somewhat similar note, so many of our clients are undergoing home renovations or have plans to renovate. How can we talk with them about the need to adequately protect fine art and other valuables when the work is being done? So there's a, a lot of loss prevention advice that we can, can offer here. As you know, with more time spent at home than ever before, many of us decided to tackle home improvements over the past few years. In fact, last year, it was estimated that 64% of successful families in, and individuals were planning renovations to their home. Wow. Yeah, and if, if your client is planning a renovation to their home, uh, they have most certainly set a budget, selected a contractor, and discussed the details with their interior designer and architect. But there's a good chance that they haven't considered how to protect their collection, especially if it's a minor renovation. And depending on the scope of work, relocating the collection to a vetted fine art storage facility may actually be the best solution. You know, over the years, we've seen many losses to collections that have been left on site during a renovation. And during a renovation, including those undertaken by an adjacent neighbor, collections are vulnerable to damage from vibration, leaking water, dust accumulations, and construction workers. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an example, Lisa, of how even during a minor renovation, damage can occur. 
we had a, a client who was completing some just minor cosmetic renovations in their home. And they had a painting that was hanging in their home that they had purchased a few years earlier for just over half a million dollars. And when a worker was carrying a ladder through the home, they made a sharp and devastating turn and swung the ladder right into the painting. Oh. <laughs> yes, I mean, it was a total loss. And unfortunately, this was a work by an artist whose market had seen significant growth in a very short period of time. And even though the client had insured the work for over $500,000 based on the purchase price, the market value at the time of loss had increased to a few million dollars. So, wow. to, to, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. really an unfortunate uh, situation. And you know, to help prevent accidental damage like this unfortunate loss, artwork should be displayed out of the direct path of workers. And the workers should not be allowed to stockpile tools, building materials, and supplies near valuables. In fact, I frequently see ladders and equipment propped up near artwork when I visit collectors' homes. Mm. And uh, if artwork can't be moved out of the way, the collector should consider working with an art conservator or art handler to create a protective covering for certain works. And vibration is another big risk during renovation projects. Construction equipment creates vibrations that may dislodge artwork from walls and sculptures off pedestals. And so a professional art handler or conservator may advise reinforcing the items with appropriate hardware, inserting vibration-absorbing foam behind artworks, and stabilizing fragile items uh, with museum wax. We've, we've actually seen situations where clients living in a condo or co-op building have been impacted by the vibration caused by a neighbor's construction project. Smile. And in sure. some instances, the vibration caused by a construction project taking place above or adjacent to the client's unit has caused works of art to fall off the wall. And, and these are really important risk considerations. And uh, you know, from a theft standpoint, uh, we need to remember that most art thefts actually occur at private residences, right. with many thefts considered to be inside jobs. So the collector should ask the general contractor for documentation, verifying that background checks have been performed on all works, uh, I'm sorry, on all the workers, and they should restrict access to art display and storage areas within the home. And this could mean in installing locks and or 24-7 monitor burglar alarm components. There should be smoke detectors installed in areas where the collection is located and a water leak detection system for the home. And uh, then let's not forget about dust. I mean, even, right. even minor renovations generate airborne debris that can adhere to the surface of paintings, decorative art, and other collections. So it's you know, really important to install plastic sheet barriers between the construction areas and the rest of the home. And even sealing off fireplace dampers, windows, and air vents, and mm. cleaning the HVAC filters regularly is key. Um, I'll, I'll share again you know, the risk of adjacent construction. We've seen losses where a collector wasn't completing renovations, but the dust and debris from a neighbor infiltrated our client's home through windows and fireplace flues and damaged the collection. Oh, gosh. So, and, uh, you know, and finally, I, you know, I think at least also we, the collector needs to think about, you know, once the renovations are coming to a close, what type of precautions should be taken before reinstalling the artwork? 
So it's important to allow appropriate time for surface drying and ventilation. And also we recommend that a home systems test run take place to make sure that all is in working order. So dust can accumulate in the HVAC system during the renovations, so this should be checked. And uh, the home system test run will also help identify any potential water leaks prior to the collection being reinstalled in the newly renovated home. That's it, such a crucial point. I, I know many times when our clients are perhaps just having some painting done, as you said, minor cosmetic improvements, they aren't thinking through the risk to their collection. But as you said, even if it's a minor renovation, you still have ladders and equipment coming yeah. in, people, the crew coming in and out. So um, just just a really, really great, uh, great point. Um, on the topic of maintenance, we spoke recently about how much this matters and how even with professional installation, hardware can break down over time, for example. Can you tell us more about best practices around maintaining art collections? Yes, uh, I can't emphasize enough how much maintenance matters. We see a high frequency of losses due to works falling off walls due to incorrect or deteriorated hardware. The wiring hooks and other mounting hardware used to hang or display artwork can deteriorate and fail over time. A collector should hire a professional art handler to periodically inspect all mountings and fasteners used on artwork and repair or replace them as needed. I actually met with a collector who had their artwork hanging on the walls of their home for 20 plus years, and they didn't really think that their collection was at risk since it had been always remained in the same spot. But I went to the collector's home uh, with an art handler and the art handler removed one of the multi-million dollar paintings and discovered that the picture hooks had actually started to separate from the plastic wall, plastic, oh, uh, gosh. sorry, <laughs> plaster wall yeah. and, were, and was barely secured. And this is just one of many examples. Sure. And you know, a collector should uh, also work with a qualified art conservator to perform an annual condition check to identify and address any preservation issues early on. When it comes to outdoor sculptures, there should be an annual maintenance plan, which may include cleaning or waxing specific works. So a bronze sculpture, for example, needs to be periodically waxed in order to help maintain its patina. Bird droppings should be professionally cleaned off on a regular basis since they are acidic and can actually etch metal and damage or stain other materials. So that's why hiring an art conservator to complete an annual condition check and identify any cleaning or treatment needs is a best practice. And the collector you know, should also make sure that from a maintenance standpoint, all systems that are in place to protect the collection are properly maintained such as making sure that the HVAC contractor inspects the air conditioning and humidification system on an annual basis to ensure that a stable environment is maintained and to protect against potential leaks that could occur due to an equipment failure. And lastly, uh, I want to touch on how critical it is to maintain a fire alarm system. Many people don't realize that smoke detectors have a lifespan of 7 to 10 years. So we encourage clients to have their alarm company complete an annual on-site maintenance check 
to determine if smoke detectors need to be cleaned or replaced. And I'll, I'll, I'll share an example of, of why this is so important. We um, had a client with a large art collection and they had a central station fire alarm system installed in their home, which included a smoke detector in their living room where the highest concentration of valuable artwork was on display. But unfortunately, the smoke detector had not been physically checked by the alarm company in many years. And when a hanging light fixture in the living room caught on fire, the living room smoke detector was never triggered as it was no longer operational. Mm. The, the client in this case happened to be home at the time of the fire, called the fire department himself, and quickly moved the most valuable painting out of harm's way. But nevertheless, there was significant smoke, soot, and water damage to the collection. It took years to completely restore the works of art, and some were a total loss. And, and this is an example of how a smoke detector, you know, that had not been properly maintained resulted in a significant loss to a collection. So again, maintenance matters. It, it matters in terms of checking the collection itself, as well as the systems that are in place to help protect the collection. And I, I would add uh, sprinkler systems to that list of, of home systems that need to be maintained. The county where our office is located uh, has had an ordinance for several years now where all new construction requires sprinkler systems and the importance that those are maintained correctly because we see leakage and, and water intrusion issues from those as well. Yes, an annual maintenance plan for a sprinkler system is, is critical as well. And as you point out, you certainly don't want a sprinkler head to inadvertently go off and, and right. cause water damage to a collection. Correct. Um, switching gears a bit, I read an article recently about how millennials and younger collectors are changing the art market, specifically the way they buy art, largely online, um, purchasing works of alternative mediums, which may have inherent vice. I recall you used the, uh, the bubblegum example recently. Can you share more from your perspective about how younger collectors are, are really kind of disrupting the art market? Yes. Uh, well, one should not assume that all items can be displayed in the same way. Mm. When, when purchasing a new work, one should always ask if there are any special display requirements or environmental conditions to consider. Many of the younger collectors tend to acquire contemporary art, but many contemporary artists work in new, untested materials, some of which come with unique challenges. So Dan Colin, as you mentioned, has created some pieces made of bubble gum. And even a slight amount of sunlight can activate the sugars and cause these works to change shape. Mm. So a stable environment is especially important for the long-term preservation of his works. And as I mentioned, younger collectors tend to gravitate towards contemporary art, but they are also now big buyers of a segment referred to as ultra-contemporary art, which includes works by artists under the age of 40 or sometimes inclusive of artists born in 1975 or later. And this collecting category has recovered more than any other genre post-lockdown. In fact, from January through June of last year, sales in this category reached 302.6 million, almost 300% above its peak in 2019. Wow. And it's still growing. It generated 420 million between July of last year and June of this year. That's a 28% increase on their previous year. And now we're seeing that the average price of the top five works in this ultra contemporary art category have increased from 618,000 to 4.9 million. 
Oh, and yeah, it's wow. a huge, a huge increase. And it's the younger collectors that are really helping drive this market. Um, Flora Yuknovich, um, a 32-year-old British painter, is a great example of one of the most sought-after ultra-contemporary artists. Uh, her large paintings were selling for about $40,000 each just three years ago. And recently, one of her paintings sold at auction for $3.6 million. And Instagram, which tends to be used by younger and more tech-savvy collectors, really helped fuel interest in her works. The, the younger collectors promoted her works via Instagram, and this exposure, exposure via social media ultimately helped rapidly increase demand and prices for her works. With significant price increases in such a short period of time, it's really important that collectors, and this includes the younger collectors of ultra-contemporary artists, get more frequent appraisals and make sure that their valuable articles policy is updated accordingly. And of the roughly $65 billion worth of art sold in 2021, about 20% or $13 billion of those sales took place online. This is more than double the amount of online sales that occurred in 2019. And uh, last summer, Chubb actually conducted a survey of about 500 collectors to better understand how their collecting habits might have changed over the past year. And we found some really interesting results about buying online. We found that 79% of collectors surveyed had used an online auction platform to buy or sell, and 74% of collectors would consider buying art sight unseen. And not surprisingly, 72% of collectors between the ages of 18 and 24, Gen Z, were likely to be influenced to buy art through social media. Mm. And, that, and that was followed by millennials, who are now the largest purchasers of art, both by volume of art purchased and value of artwork purchased. So this is a key demographic. So while younger collectors are more comfortable buying art online, they should be aware of the risks. Pre-acquisition due diligence is more important than ever. They should buy from reputable sellers. And if buying online, they should request condition reports with additional photos to have a more detailed view of the work, especially if it's an older work. For high-valued works, they may even want to consider hiring a conservator to inspect a work in person to determine whether there are any, um, there's been any prior restoration work uh, done or any condition issues to be aware of. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to obtain all the relevant documentation on the piece. They should confirm the provenance, which is the ownership history, to ensure that the seller has clear title to the work and they should obtain a certificate of authenticity. And finally, we can't forget about the importance of proper packing and transit. If buying online, one can assume that the item will be properly packed and shipped based on the type of object and its value. The good news is that if you have a valuable articles policy in place, you'll have worldwide coverage and likely some automatic coverage for newly acquired items. But as we both know, damage in transit is one of the top causes of loss. And with the increased cost of shipping artwork, as we discussed earlier, some collectors may start cutting corners and not take the necessary precautions to have their artwork appropriately packed by professional fine art packers and shippers. Uh, and you, you mentioned earlier, Lisa, that the story about the client using UPS. Yes. I mean, many, you know, many collectors assume that the transit company is providing insurance coverage, 
but in the standard limit of liability in the transit industry and storage for that matter is only 60 cents a pound. So that doesn't add up to much coverage. So Not at all. That's, yeah. So that's <laughs> you know, why it's really important that a collector have their own valuable articles policy in place. And, you know, we know that accidents can happen, even going a short distance. And uh, I'll just share one story where we had this client who was transporting a multi-million dollar painting a very short distance, less than a mile across town in New York City. And for that reason, they didn't think they needed to hire a professional fine art packer and shipper. But when the mover was loading the painting into the back of the truck, he slipped and fell into the truck and punctured a hole right through the multi-million dollar painting. Oh, no. <laughs> so Gosh. it was really tragic. And so in this situation, it was going a short distance. So maybe that painting didn't need a museum quality crate to be transported across town, but it definitely needed to be professionally packed. We never know when accidents are going to happen. Absolutely. And the, the social media um, angle is, is so fascinating. I admittedly, Instagram does drive um, some of my buying decisions. So it would make sense that it is, is translating, translating to the art world as well. Yes. Um, one, one last topic I, I wanted to, um, to talk through with you. Um, a trend we continue to see is for clients to build their own private gallery or museum or invest in museum quality storage facilities within their homes. Can we spend a few minutes talking about this and some of the risk management challenges this could potentially present? Sure. Uh, well, when it comes to legacy planning, uh, there are many options to consider with an art collection. But what we've seen is that passion collectors versus investment-minded collectors may be more likely to want to keep a collection intact and, and pass it down to their children, uh, donate the works to a museum, or as you said, build their own museums or foundations. And we've certainly seen an increased number of clients who have decided to build their own private museums and foundations. And, and this can range from small, small foundations with a focus on providing access to educational groups and lending artwork to large-scale institutions that are broadly open to the public. But you know, regardless of its size, it's important that the private museum or the foundation have the appropriate protection in place. And our team of fine art and collection specialists have consulted with collectors from a loss prevention standpoint uh, to help ensure that the private museum or foundation will have the appropriate alarm systems, such as fire and security systems, and environmental controls in place to adequately protect the collection. And you know, when displaying artwork in public, there are, of course, increased risks to consider, such as accidental damage and vandalism. We've seen more losses due to museum visitors taking selfies and then falling into works of art. And, uh, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, I'm sure you've heard in the news about the climate activists in Europe who have yes. been gluing themselves to masterpieces. Uh, yeah, and then yes. you know, last month, they I'm sure you, you heard, they threw a can of Heinz tomato soup on a Van Gogh painting at the National Gallery in London. And most recently, uh, they threw mashed potatoes on a Monet painting that was actually on exhibit at a private art museum in Germany. And mm, so, you know, we have discussions with our clients about additional protective measures that they may want to consider. And that may be um, include framing artwork with a protective glazing, such as plexi or museum glass, to help protect against accidental damage or vandalism. Or maybe it means displaying fragile items in protective vitrines, 
So these are all important considerations, especially when exhibiting works of art in a public setting. Uh, when it comes to the insurance needs, um, and that will really depend on factors like the size of the institution, whether the public will have access, uh, whether there's a full-time staff, and, and where the museum will only display works from its permanent collection, or if it will borrow works from other institutions to display. And if that's the case, a commercial policy you know, is needed to provide coverage for works in their care, custody, and control, but not owned by the museum. Uh, some other things to consider is that if the private museum is used for education, they may need to create loan agreements to outline terms, use of the items, condition reports, and ultimately who is going to be responsible for the insurance. And collectors should ensure that liability is in place for increased foot traffic if public access is being granted. So these are just a few of the considerations. But what my team uh, and I do is we consult from a loss prevention standpoint to help ensure that the private museums and foundations will adequately protect the collection from fire, theft, accidental damage, and other risk exposures. Um, and, and I know, Lisa, you actually you mentioned the storage as well. And you know, what we're seeing is that with the, the shift from passion to investment-minded collecting, more collectors are using what we call a deep storage strategy. So they may be putting items into storage for investment purposes and actually never taking those works home to display on their walls. And storage exposures have continued to increase. According to the 2020 Art Basel and UBS Global Art Market Report, uh, they surveyed high net worth collectors and they found that high net worth collectors have an average of 76 works in their collections, but more than 30% of the works in their collections are held in storage that are essentially out of view. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I mean, hmm. so much, so much of the art out there is actually in storage and, and not out there on display. And you know, in Chubb's uh, recent valuable articles survey that I mentioned earlier, sixty-nine percent of collectors indicated that they were concerned about protecting art while in storage. And yet, even though they expressed this concern, most collectors have never even stepped foot inside the off-site storage facility where they have stored their valuable collection. And not all storage facilities are created equal. And one cannot assume that all locations provide the same level of protection. Uh, and, and you referred to the storage uh, on clients' properties. And we've certainly seen that in addition to more clients storing artwork at an off-site storage facility, we've seen an uptick in collectors building their own storage areas on their property. And uh, you know, just like the off-site storage facilities, we need to make sure that the construction and protection measures in place are adequate. Uh, what we've seen is that many collectors tend to build their storage areas below grade where there's an increased risk of flooding. And so we want to make sure that they're building proper rack storage, elevating items off the floor, and installing water leak detection systems. And the storage area on the property needs to be designed with the appropriate fire and security alarm systems and environmental controls for long-term storage and preservation. Every collection is unique, so the environment needs to be suitable for the client's collection. That that makes sense. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for a, a great conversation, such important information, and being um, incredibly generous with your time.